Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome in, Miller and Condon. Thursday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, Trent Condon, and myself, Ken Miller, talking sports for the most part with you uh, for the next couple of hours. And I say for the most part because in about 15 minutes, uh, we're going to have our friend Michelle Book, the CEO for the Food Bank of Iowa. Uh, there's a real need for... Uh, for food, for a, uh, for the Food Bank of Iowa, for what they do. And they do a terrific job at it and uh, with students at the Des Moines Public Schools. We'll tell you more about it in 15 minutes or so, but Michelle Book will slide in here for six to eight minutes as we help them out, uh, as uh, Trent and I are tasked to do and, uh, and do so, uh, willingly, uh, here when the, uh, when the need necessitates. And it is here. Uh, so we'll do that coming up in about 15 minutes. Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. Towards the bottom of the hour, number of topics with Tommy, a little high school football, a little baseball, uh, both the majors and the minors, as there's a lot of reports flirting around. No substance just yet, as perhaps the uh, we may not have minor league baseball. I can't believe that that would be the case, but there are some conversations pursuant to that. Not that Tommy's got any insight, but we'll just pick his brain as to... You know what he's heard, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Tommy Birch, 1025, 1030-ish. Then Lee Sterling is here. Uh, Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. He's got a five-pack of games that he will share his opinion with and then his game of the week. I'm going to go out on a limb. How hmm. are you, first of all? I'm doing well, Good. even with the night without sports. <laughs> I survived. Did you? I watched Midway, the movie Midway, that I recorded. Midway. Well, during the non-sports march through, just I just needed something to have in the in the hopper, right? Right. If I needed to watch something, and I don't know when the movie was made, it's really well done. I, I enjoyed it. Anyways, I like war movies, and that was a pretty good one. Um, but yeah, non-sports from last night. So, um, look at. But my point with Lee Sterling. I think we're going to have a wrong team is favored. You think so? The wrong team is favored. You have it on. identified too. Well, I've been talking about this game all week that I can't yeah. believe the point spread. And the point spread continues to move. We're talking about the Big 12, West Virginia hosting... K-State. Undefeated in conference. Right. Kansas State. And West Virginia's pedestrian. I think they're pretty good. Oh. We had the numbers from Pro Football games. Focus yesterday. Number two ranked quarterback. Daggies, I don't get it, but yes, you're right. Pro. And where was Purdy? Eight? Eight. And, On that and list. Daggies, two? Did they maybe mix those two up? No. It's numbers yeah, based. Look at Purdy's not had a good year. No, no and the numbers do not look good for no, him. No, they really, they tr- they truly don't. But again, there was another damning report about Purdy's season he was having. He came up, uh, came out the next game, and 
uh, and had a really good game. So if there's we'll a time to get right. It's Kansas. It's with the Jayhawks <laughs> yeah, sitting right there. Indeed. So, um, but the line we're talking about, and, and Lee's going to opine on this game, is the West Virginia hosting K-State. I don't get it. It's clearly going to be a pros versus Joes. Mm-hmm. You looked into the money, where the money is landing, and it's a pros versus Joes. It is, and it also has uh, something that is called reverse line movement, where you see the bets coming in one way, but the point spread moving the other. And you're also seeing a discrepancy between the ticket count, which is, <coughs> excuse me, right now. <coughs> Cough it up. You all right? 67% of the tickets are coming in on Kansas State. Yeah. But the money, right? the big bettors, That's the pros. Will, the Joes are 67%. That is where West Virginia is getting over 50% uh, of the money. Yeah. So everything, at least in that model, is pointing against you. But what we've seen... Yeah, this doesn't make sense. No, what we've seen doesn't. over the last month, it doesn't make sense. And we should say this, although the pros do this for a living and they you know, keep their head above water, they don't always win. No, no. <laughs> they are far from that. So, so was, I, I'm not, it's not going to sway me that, uh, that I'm on the, uh, the Joe's side of thing. And that's how Vegas refers to the betters that they see come up to their counter. The pros are the guys that do it for a living. The Joes are tourists in town or that have a feeling on a game that don't really do much research on and think it's too easy. And I'm in that, I think it's too easy category. Anyways, Lee Sterling will join us at, um, uh, 10 minutes or so before the hour of 11 o'clock. And he'll have picks on both the Iowa and Iowa State Good. games this weekend for us, too. Good stuff. 11.05, we are going to talk to John Bonecamp. We'll talk about his Dodgers, who won. We'll also talk about uh, the Hawkeyes, whom he covers, Hawkeyes and Wildcats. We'll preview that with John. And then Matt Postens, our friend from Heartland College Sports, a wonderful, wonderful uh, website. If you're a fan of a team in the Big 12 or the conference overall, uh, Heartland College Sports, it is Big 12. It is exclusive? Yeah, I think it is, right? It's all Big 12. Yeah. Um, and they focus on all the teams in both of the needle-moving sports. Uh, and Matt Postens will join us at about 11.25. The uh, Thursday night football game tonight is kind of a blah, meh. Well, in primetime football in general this week. Well, and it may be changing. It may be changing. You mentioned this to me because uh, well, when I looked last on before Twitter. I came in, I didn't see anything. So fill me in Monday Night Football. So the report is that the Giants offensive line, all but four, have had to have been quarantined. Tom Pellicero, mm-hmm. yep. uh, who's got a blue check mark, the Giants have quarantined all, all uh, but four of their offensive linemen after there was a positive amongst them. So this we saw this, the last two Tampa opponents right have had trouble because the mm-hmm. Raiders had trouble, and they had to move their way a game away from primetime and into the middle of the afternoon. But there's only one game scheduled on Monday night. Now, logistically... I mean, I guess it can be done because there's no fans in the building for the most part at some of these games. Uh, would you take one of those early kicks on Sunday? Because there's such a plethora of them. Mm-hmm. But that's going to cost either Fox or CBS, not their main window. I mean, you wouldn't be looking at the main game. Do you have the the 506? Do you know what we're getting locally? I do, yes. Uh, locally this week, we are getting early, of course, Vikings-Packers. Yep, makes sense. What's the, And CBS, what's their early game? Uh, let me pull that up. I believe it's the Chiefs game, though. Is it against really? the Jets. It's not Pittsburgh-Baltimore? Yeah, a little disappointing there. Let's little see. A little disappointing. The Jets are a three-touchdown dog. It is. Jets at Kansas oh, City. It's a mistake. So it's a mistake. not going to be able to get that one. And really, looking kind of nationally on the map here, you'd think Pittsburgh-Baltimore would be a lot bigger. It's not. It's, it's, it's a no-brainer. 
Not going to get that game. So, how much of the country is getting that game? Hmm, less than half. Is that right? Yeah, less than half. It is. Look, I get that the Chiefs moved the needle here, but mm-hmm. come on, it's the Jets. So, if you had to pick a game that logistically would work to move to Monday night, I think I found the game, and I think you would get plenty of eyeballs too. So, who's got the double? Is, is Fox's doubleheader this weekend? Fox's doubleheader. Uh, if you had to move one game in the early window, that again. Lo- Logistically, I think makes sense. You know who I might move just because there's going to be um, so many people watching San Fran, Seattle, and New Orleans Bears. Mm-hmm. What about Chargers Broncos? There, that three hundred five kickoff. Nobody, I mean, that gets that gets glossed over. Right. Nobody gets that game except for the local markets. You're exactly right. Yep. So for that reason, maybe that game would make some sense. That one would make sense. That was one that I looked at initially, but in the noon window. And and how many fans are in? Uh, there's five thousand, I think. Is that what it is? The, okay, uh, that can go to Denver games. Uh, Miami Rams. Well, uh, yeah, I mean it's Tua. The Rams next week are on a bye. They're already coming off a short week and having to travel cross country. Uh-huh. So you have a couple of kind of logistical sense. things. The Rams then on a bye the following week. Yeah. So it's not as big of a deal for them. And uh, Miami then the following week the Dolphins play in the late window. Now they go to Arizona. But it's at least in the late window, 325 against the Cardinals there. I think logistically, when you look at it that way, that would be the one that I would target and move Rams on the road at Miami. If they get to that point. If and again, they found point. one COVID amongst the offensive linemen right now, but obviously now they're, they're stringently testing mm-hmm. and checking and contact tracing and dot, dot, dot. Uh, and if these numbers continue to go up and that game has to be moved, look, I think we're going to get closer. But I, I just don't see uh, – look – I don't see any way we're not going to have a week 18. It's just there's they're running out of schedule to be able to move games. It seems more we likely still got all of November and December. That's just it, Trent. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, we set a record yesterday. Topped eighty thousand in this country. Um, the numbers are trending up. They're just trending up. I know that you're hearing maybe that you know it's not the case, but that's the case. Okay. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see because I don't think that um, ESPN's going to willingly give up a Monday night football game. I mean, that's Monday night football for crying out loud. And if there is a game that's going to be given up now, I'm not sure. Let's see, with cross divisional here, this would be what a Fox game for that Dolphins Rams game. What they'd be willing to give up? What they get in the back end? There's always some logistics that kind of happen right. there. How and, many? What percentage of the country is getting Packers Vikings? Uh Packers Vikings. That's got to be the. That's the it's, marquee game, I would. Think. Think. It's big. In fact, there's only three Fox early games. Right. It is Green Bay, Minnesota, that Rams Dolphins game, and, and Raiders Cleveland. And those are the three. So because of that, yeah, it's well over 50% of the country that's going to be getting that game. And, and not a ton of people are getting the Rams and Miami game, too. So, right. Local markets. Yeah. You kind of, and the Northeast. Why is that? The Northeast gets that game. Yeah. Like Maine, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, most of Massachusetts. Any justification behind that? Not that I can think of. Sound like Tua's from yeah, no. Augusta, Maine. Right. No, he's from Hawaii. <laughs> right. Uh, the Northeast. By the way, his brother. I watched his brother from Maryland on Saturday. Didn't look good. He didn't look good. I watched the uh, the BTN and sixty of that Did game, you? getting ready for Northwestern. And, yeah, I wish you would remind me about that. I would yeah. like to have seen that. That's a really good. Uh, I love that. Thing. Yeah, that's good. I wish I. I gotta remember that. Yeah, usually Monday or Tuesday, depending on the mm-hmm. game, you can get that. Sometime even Sunday night and. Uh, a really easy way to, it's 45 minutes. Yeah, it's a great resource. That thing and uh, get at least a really good feel. And I'll tell you, I got a really good feel on Northwestern. Ramsey, 
He's better than uh, they've had in the last <laughs> little while, isn't he? <laughs> that doesn't say a whole no, lot. No, I know, but it's he's a difference. I mean, this is a team that now has a quarterback. Persa, Bechet, yeah, and now Ramsey. Guy right. that can tuck it a little mm-hmm. bit, get it out quick. This is not a good matchup. Nope. And speaking of point spread, we started with that West Virginia K-State. Something stinks about this line. Iowa just two and a half. Iowa wins by a field goal. You win your bet, boy. Doesn't that seem easy? Yeah. On the surface, it does. And I think nationally, people will probably look at it that, too. Here in Iowa, we know about the history with Northwestern uh-huh. Iowa and how well the Wildcats have played, especially in Kinnick Stadium. How much Fitz hates them. <laughs> it's a game where, during the Rose Bowl season, he, he got broke hurt. Broke his leg. Or it was his leg, right? Yeah. yeah. And he Couldn't thinks play. it's dirty. Mm-hmm. Was it Chad Deal, I think, was the I offensive lineman? I don't remember lineman, who got him. If I remember correctly, but regardless, that that still resonates with him. And yeah. Wildcats will come out fired up. Two and a half. Weird number. You know, I uh, like I say, I watched some of that game on, on Saturday night. Um, this is neither here nor there, but did, did they show the strength coach? Is, is he still there? You know, the guy that wears the Schmedium oh, shirts? Right, right. All cut up. Yes, yeah. just a complete, I mean, just totally wound up. I mean, just unbelievable the energy that this guy has on the sidelines, firing up his squad. Well, we'll see if he's at Kinnick Stadium on Saturday. Uh, so that's the program here today, the 11 o'clock hour. We will talk Hawks, we will talk clones. Uh, coming up, Tommy Birch and then our friend Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. Yeah, last night was weird. First night since July the 22nd uh, without having sports. And um, kind of like a throwback, right, in a bad, bad way. All right, while Trent is lining up Michelle Book, I'm going to read this release that came out. Uh, from the. Uh, this has to do with the Des Moines Public Schools and their off-site school pantries. Uh, 80% of Des Moines Public School District students qualified for free and reduced meals during the 2019-2020 school year. With expanded need due to COVID, it's likely that more than 5,000 Des Moines Public School students don't have enough food at home. To ensure that they do... And will have access to nutrition that they need to grow and learn and to relieve the stress of hunger in the household. Food Bank Iowa has established 16 off-site pantries designed to serve the entire household and they're loca- located uh, throughout Des Moines community. Food is provided to district families without cost, without identification, and as importantly as anything, as often as needed. Cars simply enter the parking lot at one of the designated sites during the advertised open times and the food is loaded into the trunk or the back of the vehicle quickly, safely, and without personal contract contact, I should say. So if you're one of those families and you would like more information, foodbankofiowa.org. Again, the food is provided free to district families without cost. You don't need identification and as often as needed. Yeah, we'll uh, hopefully get Michelle here in the next minute or two. Uh, they're efforting her in the office I right now. I should have sent you her cell phone. Oh, okay. That, that, that would your pardon. That would have been a lot easier to do. Wouldn't yes. It? Um, so I will do that. Okay. As soon as I can find that darn thing. Uh, I don't want to give it out over the air. No, obviously. probably not a good that idea. Be a good thing. I'm just, you know what, Trent? I'm, I'm now FaceTiming her, which I don't want to do either. No. That's not a good thing. No. Uh, do this. Here it comes. Okay. Share contract. Where are you? 
I'm Trent Condon. I know you are. Okay, thank you. I just found you. Okay, so Michelle Book coming up. But still, the press release uh, I I just read, uh, it's absolutely uh, needed. Uh, and we'll get in here for uh, get her in here for a couple of minutes to share more. Again, the website. Now she's FaceTiming me back. <laughs> Hang up your phone, Michelle. Um, yeah. Anyways, iPhones and sixty-two-year-old people trying to work those iPhones. Uh, not a not a good sight. Uh, Tommy Birch coming up at ten thirty, and then Lee Sterling Paramount Sports at twelve fifty. We will do some betting info. I'm going to talk to her. She's phoning me. Michelle, hang up your phone. We're dialing you right now. Okay, there you go. My mistake. Trent, dial back. She's um, she's calling my cell phone. Um, in the 11 o'clock hour, John Bowen Camp on Iowa at 11.25. Matt Poston's on the Big 12. Nebraska thought they had a football game. Maybe they did for about 20 minutes. They wanted to play Chattanooga this weekend. They had everything logistically lined up. Chattanooga had been tested. Chattanooga had been, the financials were disclosed. Nebraska was going to pay them $250,000 to travel to Lincoln to take on the game. By the way, Nebraska was going to pay for all of the travel. But the Big Ten uh, has quashed that, so Nebraska will not play. Michelle Book is now with us, and she's on the air. Michelle, my pro- my apologies. Uh, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. I just read the press release uh, regarding the Des Moines Public Schools, the need over 5,000 students who won't have enough food at home, and the fact that you guys have established 16 off-site locations uh, for uh, people to, for the uh, people that can drive through, pick up the food, no charge, no identification, and those sites and those hours that those sites are open are located on your website. How are things going, Michelle Book? Absolutely. Uh, folks are starting to get word of this. We're seeing families showing up uh, to pick up food. Um, just um, it's an extraordinary need. We know from Feeding America and McKinsey uh, Consulting that the food need is double today what it was earlier this year and triple with households with children. And with DMPS not certain as to whether kids are going to be in school or out of school, uh, we really made the difficult decision September 1st to just put DMPS school pantries off-site, keep them off-site for the duration of this school year, not knowing what would happen with COVID surges or with kids being in the buildings or not. So we've got uh, volunteers out there. We have um, 16 sites that have stepped up. They've opened their doors. They've provided facility capacity, uh, volunteers to put this food together, and uh, families are showing up. Uh, We know it's a vital need. As we go into the winter months, it's just going to get Mm -hmm. more and more difficult for these families to make ends meet. I know the hours are listed on the site. Are these open daily for the most part, or do you stagger them so at least there's one open every day? How do you guys handle that? These sites are located across the metro, and we were very careful in looking at um, locations to make sure that regardless of where a family lives, they don't have to go too far to access these vital nutritional resources. So they are open varying hours, um, some during the day, some nights, some mm-hmm. weekends. And a family can go to the site that's nearest them, or they can go to any one of the other sites if they're driving by from work or if they're driving by from a medical appointment. Um, just swing in um, during the listed open time. Uh, we take the last name 
um, and um, a little bit of information about the number of people in your household uh, to comply with USDA standards. But other than that, no ID. doesn't matter how frequently you come. doesn't matter if you go to several of the sites. We just want to make sure that the families are getting what they need so the students have the nutrition um, in their bellies to make their minds work and their bodies grow, and there's not the stress for that student of having food insecurity in that household. What's the easiest way for people to find out where their their local distribution place might be? Is it just to go to the website, foodbankiowa.org, or are there other places where they can find this information? You can go to foodbankiowa.org, hit the Need Help button, and there's a button there for DMPS, Offsite Pantries, or call our office during regular business hours, 515-564-0330. Uh, Michelle, I know that the uh, combat hunger uh, is coming up, and normally, I mean, this is sponsored by another radio group, and normally we would stay away from them, but these aren't normal times, so we're happy to discuss this as well. Uh, the Combat Hunger 2020, I'll tell us, I don't mind saying, it's a star 1025 uh, is behind this, along with you guys. Uh, it's coming up, but it's um, it's always one of your bigger events. Why don't you take a couple of minutes uh, and tell us about Combat Hunger 2020? That's very generous of you. Thank you very much. Um, This has been an event hosted by 102.5 for 30 years, and it started with uh, Jimmy driving in a tank from the National Guard down Interstate 35 into downtown Des Moines, where we would collect food and funds. Um, It's a lot different this year because of COVID. Um, We have taken it virtual. So we are doing a virtual food drive and um, fun collection. Again, go to our website, foodbankiowa.org, to participate in combat hunger. It's a great opportunity for groups, for employees and corporations and teams uh, to put together some competition around uh, supporting Food Bank of Iowa and uh, making sure that none of our neighbors here in Iowa are food insecure over the holidays. And for people that can help out financially, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the thousands of dollars that we hear from different corporations that are able to help out. One thing that always jumps out to me, funds can help purchase meals. One dollar brings four meals to families out there, which is just incredible that you guys are able to put that together and make that work. So for people donating financially that want to put some money in, put 20, 50 bucks, whatever it may be, what's the easiest way to donate for the Food Bank of Iowa? Again, go to our website, foodbankiowa.org, and hit the Give Help button. Uh, We're there for people that need help. We're there for people that can help. But it really is extraordinary due to our huge purchasing power. We order green beans by the semi-truck trailer load. (laughs) And our ability to rescue food and the relationships we have in place with food rescue. Also, our relationship with the government in moving USDA food. Uh, we can move a lot of food for $1. And imagine the difference that $20 makes mm-hmm. for a family that's just struggling to make ends meet until they get paid a week from today. Mm-hmm. That's 80 meals. Yeah. $20 provides 80 meals for a family that is struggling, working hard, but doesn't have the money in, the, in, in their billfold to go to the, to the grocery store. Volunteers are also needed. Trent and I just received a joint text from a friend of ours, uh, and Wayne said, and I didn't know this about Wayne, that he volunteered for three and a half months this past summer at your Northeast Iowa Food Bank that served 14 counties in the Northeast. Here's his final, uh, sta- his final sentence, very rewarding experience. That's how that was his biggest takeaway after volunteering for three and a half months. He felt like he was rewarded for doing this. 
I'll, I'll tell you, it's been extraordinary and um, heartwarming. When COVID hit, we relied primarily on our corporate partners bringing corporate teams into the Food Bank of Iowa to help us put together food and food packages. When COVID hit, they evaporated. Corporations couldn't ask their employees to come in and do an activity like that. So we thought fast. We put in place immediately additional safety procedures. Um, We are spraying down our facility twice a day uh, with special antibacterial um, solutions. People come in, they're put on a face back, they wear gloves, they wash up, we ask them questions, we take their temperature. But I sent out a plea early on for volunteers. People showed up in droves and they're still showing up. People have come into my office, tears in their eyes saying, thank you. Mm. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to give back, to participate in the solution, to do more for our neighbors in need. I needed this opportunity right now. I'm grateful that your doors are open. Um, it's it's truly, it's been extraordinary. That's, that's amazing. Well, uh, last thing for you, this isn't going away, sadly, anytime soon. Uh, you mentioned the holidays coming up, uh, et cetera. But this is, you know, when the calendar turns to 2021 and everyone is so glad that 20 is going to be behind us, sadly, that's not going to be the end of this. And this re- the need for food may linger for years, you're learning, Michelle. We know uh, we are a Feeding America food bank, and we know from studies that Feeding America has conducted looking at the past two recessions that the food insecurity from this recession is not likely to peak until the year 2024, and it's not likely to recede again to pre-recession levels. Food insecurity will not recede to pre-recession levels until 2027. 2027. Mm-hmm. So my uh, my grandmother would say we have a long row to mm-hmm. hoe. Yep, indeed. Uh, Michelle, good luck with Combat Hunger. Uh, as the holidays get near, if you have a need for airtime, you have my cell phone. Please reach out, uh, and Trent and I would be happy to accommodate the Food Bank of Iowa. You guys do a great job over there, volunteers, etc. where those locations are, uh, those 16 locations. They're all at foodbankiowa.org. Here's their phone number. It's 515. This is regular business hours, obviously. 564 0330 Michelle Book, have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Be well. Good to talk to you. Michelle Book from the Food Bank of Iowa. There's a real need. Foodbankofiowa.org. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword money to 200-200 right now. It's your chance to win 1000 bucks. That's money to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. I'm Miller and Condon. Tommy Birch joins us next. It's uh, 27 minutes after the hour of 10 on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. 
take you up until noon here. We're about 12, 15 minutes or so away from Lee Sterling from Paramount Sports. We will opine, or he will opine, on uh, I think he's got a five-pack of games he wants to share his opinion with, and we'll do that here at about 10 minutes before 11. Right now, Tommy Birch from the Des Moines Register. He covers a potpourri of sports for the Register. Friday nights have been spending in high school stadiums across central Iowa. We'll pick his brain on that. And, Dale, and uh, Tommy, I did not know this or realize this until you tweeted on uh, Game 6 of the World Series. Uh, the kid that came in uh, in the second inning, no, no, no pressure, a couple of runners on, the hottest hitter in the, in the, in the World Series, Rosarina at the plate with ducks on the pond, and Dylan Floro, who was here last year, uh, struck him out on three pitches. You never know who's going to make their way through the minor leagues and through our city, do you? How are you, Tommy? I'm I'm good. Yeah, that's kind of my favorite thing about covering the iCast is, um, you know, we spend so much time focusing on the prospects, and, you know, I especially do because that's what people want to read about. But, um, you know, people want to know about the Javi Baez, the Albert Almora's, the Wilson Contreras, you know, the Chris Bryant's. But to me, some of the best stories are the guys like Taylor Davis who are, uh, you know, undrafted Mm -hmm. free agents, work their way up through the system, and uh, um, truly become a surprise success story. And there are tons of those from, you know, from uh, Taylor Davis to, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. You know, David Bodie at one point was a filler on the Iowa Cubs roster, a guy that was just brought up to AAA a couple years ago. Uh, just because, man, they, they had some injuries. They needed a guy up there. But then once some other injuries started happening throughout the system, he started getting more opportunities. Then he started popping up on these prospect rankings, and people started realizing, like, oh, man, David Bodie's not a bad player. So, um, yeah, you know, I've, I love that part where you have so many of these um, success stories of, of guys that you just don't see coming out anywhere. The the crazy thing is, you know, Dylan Foro has been a good pitcher. He has been a consistent guy. He just was never like, oh, my God, that go-to guy uh, in anybody's bullpen, except for the Dodgers this year. He, is, he has been very steady and consistent. And now he's a champion. Yes, he is. Justin Turner, also a champion. And and overshadowing, unfortunately, the Dodgers World Series, their first in 32 years. And with it, the decisions, and and that's the part of the game that Ken and I like to argue about or talk about over the course of a season. Kevin Cash making the pull of Snell, guy that's won a Cy Young, that was just absolutely dealing there. Bertie, I know you know analytics and the way they go hand-in-hand with baseball there. Your thoughts. It's how the Rays got there. It's how they built their team, the decision in Game 6. Yeah, you know, I'm really torn on it because on on one hand, I am a firm believer in, you know, once you get to October, you do the things that you do that got you there. Mm -hmm. You know, what absolutely drove me insane about watching um, Joe Madden with the Chicago Cubs in the World Series was asking guys, to do things that they had never done before, you know, asking Chapman to go two, three, sometimes four innings, go deeper um, into pitch counts than he had ever done before, you know, go with what has worked um, for your team all season long. And for the Rays, it has been that mindset of following the analytics, not letting people get, uh, you know, a third, fourth look at your starting pitcher, especially a guy like now, now, 
also, you know, I, I totally understand those analytics, and, and I love them. I am a firm believer in analytics are a huge help to to managing. The more information that you can have, the better. But I think rule number one when it comes to managing a baseball game, you don't want to make a decision that the other team is going to like. And obviously, <laughs> the, you know, the Dodgers love that decision. That's a decision um, – that they were, you could tell they were all excited to see him out of the ball game. I, I, you know, I knew it was coming when he gave up that hit. My well, first thought was, if you want a little bit of coverage here, you're Kevin Cash. Let him face one more hitter. He get, he gives up another hit, and then I, I think you are you are more well within uh, your range to go out and get him. But I think that would have given you a little bit more cover. But. To me, the bigger question is not what the analytics say about now. What do the analytics, what did the numbers say about Anderson and who he was going to be facing? You know, is the better matchup now uh, a third time or Anderson a first time with how he is pitched? You know, the thing is, when you bring in a new guy who's not thrown, he's just in the bullpen, you just never know what you're going to get that night. You do what you had with Snell at that moment. Uh, Tommy, our, one one more on the on analytics. Do you notice? I mean, are, are analytics in use at AAA as much as they are in the majors? I mean, do, do do we see that down here? You don't see it in the managing part of the game because when it comes to managing games, it's not about um, winning right. at the minor league level. You know, you're not um, you know going with lefty lefty matchups because you're trying to win the game. You're trying to get your lefty experiences against lefties. But analytics are a big part of minor league baseball where um, they are feeding all those guys information about exit velocity, um, you know, and, and uh, um, you know, spin rate and stuff like that, uh, you know, especially those numbers. I mean, one of the reasons why you consistently saw Dylan Maples, who I know Cub fans, just love to hate because Dylan Maples has gotten rocked a lot when he's been in Chicago. One of the reasons why you see Dylan Maples get opportunity after opportunity with the Cubs is because he has the most electric stuff out of anybody in the entire Chicago Cubs system. Mm. You know, people in the system would tell me his spin rate is better than anybody in the entire system, possibly anybody in all baseball. You know, when you tell a pitcher, this is where we want you to throw a pitch. You give them a specific spot. When it comes to a guy like Dylan Maples, that spot is increased dramatically because of what he can do with the baseball. So analytics are a huge part of minor league baseball, especially at the AAA level where um, you know the, the Iowa Cubs have somebody up in the press box who is monitoring all that type of stuff. It's just not used. It's used more for development, not game management. Gotcha. Uh, Tommy, uh, we we know the AHL is now going to start in February, so at least they have an idea of when they're going to start. I, I can't imagine what minor league baseball teams, um, I mean, obviously the ones that have made it through 2020 without playing a season in hopes that, you know, everything's going to be fine for 2021. Um, 
but we we have no idea when Major League Baseball is going to start. How and maybe it's a better question for for Wayhofer or for Burnaby or for somebody down there. But the precarious spot that all of minor league baseball is in right now, it's the great unknown, Tommy. And there's been even some talk that there's ch- there's a chance that minor league baseball may not even happen again in 2021. What a terrible spot to be in. Yeah, it's a really tough spot. Uh, really tough spot for minor league baseball. I mean, there are so many things going on, and that doesn't even include COVID nineteen. You know, major league baseball, minor league baseball, still have to get a new agreement. Uh, you know, on the books. You know, right now there is no professional baseball agreement between those two sides. So that's issue number one. You got to get that issue taken care of, and then two. Yeah, you have COVID nineteen where. Everything I've heard um, when it comes to talking to people within the industry is that, look, if, if minor league baseball happens, it is probably not happening until May at the, at the absolute soonest. Uh, and, and then that's even if baseball, minor league baseball happens in 2021. You know, the, the interesting thing is, you know, everybody wants to um, talk about the idea of, you know, you could still have a season, just don't play without fans. For minor league baseball, that really doesn't fly. That's a model that yep. won't work where minor league teams would rather not have a season. And that's what we had this season. Yeah. Tommy Birch joining us from the Des Moines Register. Tommy, uh, one more on the baseball front. Minor league baseball in general. A lot of people said it was due for a reconfiguration. There were too many teams. It was too expensive, et cetera, et cetera. We knew this was happening even before a pandemic hit us here. When you look at your crystal ball and you look forward five years, we're through everything, we're back to normal. What's the structure of minor league baseball at that point in your mind? Yeah, it's going to look drastically different. I mean, I think you're going to see um, you're going to see changes across uh, all the different leagues. You're going to see essentially realignment, for lack of a better term. You're going to see major league baseball take complete control of minor league baseball. The idea of having separate entities, Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball. Um, it's just something that Major League Baseball does, does not want to have. When Rob Manfred says he wants to run baseball, he wants to run Major League Baseball, Minor League Baseball, and I think if he could, he would run Little League Baseball too. And he wants to have complete control over it. And I think you are going to see... Um, more importantly, when it comes to the state of Iowa, you're going to see a lot of minor league teams that just are going to be affiliated with major league teams when that's all said and done. And if I'm living in Clinton, if I'm living in Burlington, yep. I'm, I'm very nervous. I'm, I'm, I'm probably almost to the point where I'm accepting that affiliated baseball is not going to be back in those towns. And I would say even the Quad Cities and Cedar Rapids are not 100% mm. safe when it comes know it in terms of how minor league baseball is structured and how these leagues are put together is going to be drastically different and you're going to see a lot of minor league baseball teams the the really tough thing is um you know COVID-19 is going to cost a lot of minor league baseball teams their existence um but then so is this new professional baseball agreement which is going to ask uh, minor league baseball teams to to upkeep their facilities and make some drastic changes from lighting to to clubhouses to batting cages and stuff like that. Some teams 
just aren't going to be able to do it. So um, if you live in Des Moines, man, you should be very thankful yep. that you've got the Iowa Cubs right now. No doubt. Tommy, last thing, I know you've covered high school football uh, uh, throughout this season. Where will you be on Friday night, Tommy Birch? Yeah, I'm going to be at Waukee. I'm looking forward to that game. They've uh, they've been a fun fun team to watch. But, uh, you know, out of all the teams I've seen, I've seen Ankeny, I've seen Southeast Polk, I've seen Dowling, I've seen Bowie. Um, Waukee is a really intriguing team. I'm, I'm interested to see how far they can go. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kemp would, would, would agree with my very basic assessment that, man, it's, it, pretty much southeast spoken anything at this point when it comes to 4A. Yeah, I think we have a very solid number one, a solid number two, and then after that, well, you still got to throw Dowling in there because they are Dowling. Virtue, you know about that. We we saw your pictures <laughs> with Perfect Game back when you were a Maroon way back in the day <laughs> on the baseball field. Hey, Virtue, always good to catch I, up I with you. I am still holding out to get in the Dowling Hall of Fame. <laughs> Tommy, um, I, I can't think of anybody more worthy. 2018 <laughs> Iowa Sports Writer of the Year. That's Hall of Fame credentials That's, to me. That puts you over the top. Gosh. Tommy Birch, thanks for doing this for us, Tommy. Great to catch up with you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, good to talk to you. Tommy Birch, Des Moines Register. Uh, where will you be? Southeast Polk. I'll get to see That's that right. number one team. Against as, Centennial. Yeah, going to talk to Ryan Pizzetti this afternoon now for the pregame show. Say hello show. to him for me. I definitely will. He painted Cindy's in my house one summer. I remember you saying <laughs> yeah. that. And uh, a lot of those teachers have that painting yeah. gig during the summer. So I haven't talked to Ryan in a while, so I'm excited to, to talk with him a little bit. Should have taken about maybe 10 days, but I had TVG. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And it lasted all summer. <laughs> Stretch that thing out. Yeah, we sat and watched horse races most days. That was fun. Anyways. Just tell Ryan Pizzetti hi. He's a good, I will. He's a good guy. Uh, so is his dad. Uh, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Lee Sterling, will. Uh, he's our handicapper. He will join us here. ParamountSports.com. Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KX and 011. To learn more. Welcome back, Miller and Condon. Let's get right to it. About 10 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock, Lee Sterling, Paramount Sports. Got five packs of games to opine on and then his game of the week. As I speculated to Trent, I think we're going to very early in our conversation get the wrong team is favored uttered from our guest, Lee Sterling. We'll see. Lee, Trent, and Ken uh, coming off another winning week. Lee Sterling, how are you? Can't complain. <laughs> Seven out of eight weeks uh, uh, have been winners for my clients, so I'm feeling good. I even had a client email me. He says, uh, you know, we had the seven for 77 two weeks ago. We go seven and oh. We had the nine for 97 last week. We go six and three. He goes, how do you feel about this week? Like, really? When you're rolling like this? I mean... <laughs> good good bets are coming right off the pages. They're right there for you. Let's get into it. Let's start yeah. in the Big 12 this week, Lee Sterling, and let's go to West Virginia. K-State comes in undefeated in conference play off a bye week against the Mountaineers. Yet, West Virginia, a three-point favorite here. What are you seeing? So, I think West Virginia matches up really well with Kansas State. I think Kansas State, everything's gone great, and it's been a fun ride so far and i just think that they're up against a really good run defense in west virginia so west virginia is three and two but they've outplayed all five opponents they have the six rated defense six starters returned last year then they got in a juco cornerback uh and then an arizona state grand transfer uh, safety so this is a team that's really good they're experienced they 
allowing just 261 yards per game. That is really low for college football right now. And um, West Virginia's goal is to make uh, Kansas State the quarterback go on some long drives for touchdowns, not short fields off returns or punt blocks or turnovers. So um, you make Kansas State go 75, 85 yards and think they can come up with a win. So uh, I think they're begging you. They're doing everything they can possibly to get you to take Kansas State. All the trends go that way. The dog has covered 10 of the last 14 Wildcat games. Kansas State has covered the last seven dog rolls, not on Saturday. Mm. The right team is favored. West Virginia 27-20. Yeah, that was the one I thought you'd give us the wrong team as favorite. It's a pros versus Joes game, and I'm with the Joes on this one. I just think it's too easy, as you said. Well, we were going to talk about Wisconsin and Nebraska, but we can't, so we're going to substitute a really good NFL game. Uh, The Steelers, unbeaten in Baltimore. This is a Baltimore's home. They're about a a three-and-a-half-point favorite, Lee Sterling. Help us out with this one. So Baltimore's quarterback, Lamar Jackson, He's not even close to resembling what he was doing last year as an MVP. And they still lead the league in scoring. Baltimore has beat Pittsburgh 12 the last 17 times at home. I think it's a really tough matchup for Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh brought it against Cleveland. They brought their A game, probably brought their A minus B plus game last week. Uh, Looked great for a half and then held on. I don't know how much they have left. Now they got to go from facing a team that runs a lot of two backs in, in Cleveland to a, a multiple Tennessee team now facing a team that has runs a lot of spread option. I think it's too much, and I think it's usually not the first game. It's the second game where you really feel the loss of your leader, and that's Devin Bush on the defense for Pittsburgh. He is a fabulous linebacker, maybe one of the most underrated players in the NFL I think uh, Baltimore gets it done off the bye. I think they win this game here, 37-27. A couple of favorites to open it up. Another big favorite is Ohio State is lane 12-and-a-half on the road at Penn State. We saw that Nittany Lion loss, and, and if you looked at the box score, you wonder how it happened. Fall down to the one-yard line. It doesn't happen. But here we are, 0-1 Penn State hosting the Buckeyes. Ohio State laying 12 in the hook. Yeah, Trent, you mentioned, you know, they outgained Penn State, outgained Indiana, 488 to 211. If you saw that kind of uh, domination, and also they held the ball for almost 41 minutes of the game, the 60 minutes, you'd think, oh, they win this game like 42-17. Not the case. They somehow lost that game 36-35. Same time, Ohio State blistered Nebraska. But the Cornhuskers have no defense. Tackling is optional. Uh, Scott Frost is going to have to find some guys uh, and it's surprising it's taken them this long to, to to get any type of semblance of defense. So that's a problem. The biggest problem also is people will wager the first thing they see in the season. And what do you see? Ohio State looks great, and Penn State doesn't look so good. So usually an overreaction, and the better teams, the better coaches, uh, they improve the most from the first to the second game. I'm not saying James Franklin is good at making decisions. He makes some baffling end-of-the-game decisions, mm. but he does game plan well, and he gets his team to execute. And I just think that uh, the last three games have been decided by 11-1 and one point. I think Ohio State holds on 38-28 over Penn State. But does not cover. Well, let's get into the two locals. Let's start yeah. Iowa State and Kansas. Uh, the Cyclones are just uh, what, about a four-touchdown, 20-and-a-half-point favorite uh, over the hapless Jayhawks. Kansas is hapless. I mean, I, I don't know how much how, how long they can go on. 
until their coach just says enough's enough. I'm not going to win here. I mean, uh, he's holding on, going through COVID. But his defense didn't play really that bad last week, as the score would indicate in their game against Kansas State. Kansas is on, how about this, a 1-7-1 and spread slide. But the host... Uh, is 19 and nine against the spread, and Kansas is actually seven and zero as an underdog of more than 24 points. Who wins first, the Jets or Kansas? I see neither, <laughs> but I think uh, Kansas gets the backdoor cover. Uh, I think Iowa State wins 40 to 17, but the wrong team is favored um, just for the spread. Iowa State wins 40 to 17, but Kansas covers. Gonna jump on the Jayhawks and all those points down in Lawrence. Let's go to game you and I were talking about right before we went on the air, Lee. Iowa feels like a must-win situation against Northwestern. Fitz yep. has had the number of Iowa throughout the years, and the number it just it kind of smells to me under a field goal at two and a half. What do you see? So forget what you saw on the field last year. Northwestern's offense, which averaged just 16 points per game, they bring in Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. He's an accurate quarterback, completed over 67% of his passes, due for 43 touchdowns while in Indiana. Isaiah Bowser, uh, their top running back, missed most last year. He's healthy. If you saw him last week, he looks good. Then they bring in a tight end, John Rain from FAU. You're like, well, FAU's nothing. Well, they ran a two tight end set last year at FAU. The kid caught over 35 balls last year. The other tight end is, is starting right now for the Cleveland Browns. And they brought in a new offensive coordinator, Mike Bajakian. Mike Bajakian was Boston College's offensive coordinator last year. Not three yards in a, a crowd of dust. They used their backs out of the backfield. A lot of crossing routes before that. Bajakian was at uh, Tampa Bay. He was the quarterback coach. Uh, Iowa, same old offense with an inexperienced quarterback. Spencer Petras last week uh you had some receivers open. You got to make those throws here. Also, saw a team get penalized uh, more than they normally do. And seven games last year, Iowa had they were decided by seven points or less. Northwestern twelve and two on the Big Ten road, and the visitor nine two and one against the spread in Northwestern games. Really good friend in Iowa City, Brian Kaldenberg. He said, "What's going to happen in this game?" Sorry, Brian, the wrong team is favored. Northwestern went outright 30-24. to 24. We have 30 seconds, your game of the yeah. week, Oklahoma State, Texas. Actually, 20 seconds, Lee. How do we get a hold of you? Just call 800-400-9741. Check out all the specials online, 9 for 97, a month, five weeks for 297, ParamountSports.com. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Lee, we'll talk to you in a week. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Good to talk to you. Hour 2 coming up next, 1460, 106.3 FM.